You're watching Leafs Morning Tape with host Nick Alberta and former NHLer Jay Rosehill. The show starts now. Happy Tuesday. What's going on, everybody? It's the Tuesday edition of Leafs Morning Take presented by Botano, Nick Alberga, and Jay Rosa. What's going on, Rosie? How are you, buddy? I'm sick. I hate it. Oh, Came out of no. nowhere. Yeah. That's the worst when it just hits you early in the week because then you got the whole week until the weekend, eh? I guess. I don't know. I've The only thing I've changed is I haven't had a drink since New Year's Eve. I am dry. I am... Oh. One with nature, and it turned around and screwed me. So I don't know what that tells you. Was that your New Year's resolution? You're not going to get gooned up on Friday nights? Uh, no, it was. Uh, it just happened to fall on New Year's, but I had oh. a little bit of a tear there and was just not happy with myself and decided to uh, make some changes in my life. Well, I'm here to support you. You talk about Thank changes, you. a lot happening here in Leafs Nation. We'll get to the Nylander fallout, but did you see Joseph Wall? Oh was on the ice before practice earlier today. It's a sight for sore eyes, hey? Martin Jones has been a great story, but to get Joseph Wall back in the mix, I think makes things cloudier and I think makes decisions uh, even greater when it comes to Ilya Samsonov, right? Because I don't know if you saw this yesterday. I was, um, you know, reading social media and it sounded like they haven't really made a decision on what's going to happen next with Sammy. Like, he's not even on the ice, man. Yeah, I'm sure they haven't, man. It's, uh, yeah. I think it's Joseph Wall's crease to to take, and that's there's no what decision are they going to make? Like Wall hasn't come back yet. He comes back and plays the way that he was before he got injured. Him and Jonesy are going to run with this thing, guaranteed. That's an automatic decision in my mind. I mean, what else? Why would you mess with it? It's a good thing. Yeah, and that's why they got Jones, and he has stepped up and earned every second that he gets in that uniform. So. In my mind, you get Woolsey back there and, you know, fingers crossed that he picks up where he left off. There might be a little bit of rust, but, you know, you got to give him time. Uh, it's going to be a lot of pressure his first game back to see how he is. And I feel for him because like we talk about all the time, that position that he plays with that organization is is very difficult. And everyone's going to be like, you know, judging his future based on the first period of his first game back. And it's not really fair, but um, I really hope that he can battle through that and find a way to get some, to pick up where he left off with the, with the confidence he was playing with. You know, the good news here when it comes to Martin Jones and how great he's been over the last little while, especially since being anointed, I guess the quote unquote number one is like when you bring Joseph Wall back, it's not like he has to play every game. That would be the worst idea to begin with. But the fact that they feel comfortable enough to have a guy behind him or even one A, one B type situation, I think is such a positive because it got to a point at points in times throughout the first half of the season, we'll say where it's like Joseph Wall would play and it's like you're almost hesitant to put Ilya Samsonov in there. I don't think the story of the conversation will be the same knowing that Martin Jones is back there now, right? No, it's going to be nice. I mean, it's nice for Wolsey that uh, that Jonesy's played the way he has. It's not like they're just desperate to get him back and, oh my God, the Savior's back. Oh, get him back in. Oh, thank goodness. And Wolsey's like, geez, guys, I haven't played in like, how many weeks has it been? And like, I got to pick this thing up by the bootstraps all by myself. Not really fair. And same thing if Sammy was still there and playing all right and Jonesy was playing all right and then you know Wolsey comes in and he's like well is it do I get how much how much how much leash do I get am I going to get a fair shot can I get my feet under me but it's a perfect situation for Wolsey to step back in thanks to Martin Jones and uh you know the fact that there's kind of no one else that they're willing to play obviously uh in Wolsey's place there I still think, like again, we're we're just referencing the the news from pre morning skate where Joseph Wall took to the ice. I think for the first time we've seen him since the ankle injury way back when. Um, I, I think obviously nowhere close. I mean, I'm not speaking for the team on this behalf, just speculation on, on my part. Like he's nowhere close to returning, but it has to be a positive seeing this guy out there. It means he's on the road to recovery, right? Because. It's one of those things with the ankle, you got to test it out. But I think mobility clearly is not going to be there. But the fact that he's on the ice with Curtis Sanford is just just excellent news. Considering what this team has been going through in terms of goaltending the last month, at the very least, there's light at the end of the tunnel. At least it feels that way, right? Yeah, for sure. Getting him out there and actually, uh, you know, doing drills, it, it doesn't mean he's he's going to start playing, but it means that he's he's good to start really testing that ankle. And then what's going to happen off the ice afterwards is, you know, they're going to analyze how it feels and 
And is there swelling coming back? And is he feeling, you know, the pains and the things that that were the initial injury? Are those coming back? And does he aggravate it more? And does he need to back off? And how much do you go? And they're going to be careful with it. Doesn't mean he's going to get thrown into NHL action right now. But the fact that he's in his gear, pushing off of that ankle, doing the drills, getting ready to start playing is a really good sign. And, you know, hopefully he's, you know, every step of the way is a positive one like nope feels good no problems okay let's do the next thing yep feels strong feels ready okay next thing and you take those little steps to the point where you're like baby we're ready to go and that's a it's a good feeling when you've been on the shelf for a while i'm jacked up here on a tuesday uh by the way i've i've got some intel some news from the marner camp you want to hear it yeah i don't know but go the ink's not even dry, but uh, the conversation is underway. We're very le- very early in the process. I put a tweet out about this on Monday. Um, discussions can't even start for several months. As we know, July 1st is technically when they can agree to an extension. But I'm already hearing the Marner camp has their eyes set on something well north of $11.5 bucks. It's not really that surprising in the grand scheme of things, man. But as soon as that Nylander contract went down, I'm like, this is what you do. You offer the same deal. Like I think mm-hmm. structure is so important here. It's something that was sort of miscast or misled with the previous administration. And I thought that's why they got in the bind to begin with. So I think it's going to be a really contentious um, negotiation with the Marner camp. And uh, again, still months away, but just your initial thoughts on that. <laughs> Like you said, the ink isn't even dry and and we just jump right on the next one. Right. And yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting, man. It's going to be more of the same. Like, I think they're going to, you know, July one comes by and it's like, Oh, what, what, what's the deal? What's the, what's the story? And it's like, uh, we're, we're nowhere really close, similar to the Nylander, uh, camp talking with the Maple Leafs and, and being like, no, this is what we think we deserve. And the Leafs are like, well, we can't quite give that to you. And then time goes on. I think it'll be more of the same. I'd be shocked if they got it done right away. Um, I've been critical of Mitch Marner and you know, I want to clarify, not that he's not, not that he's a, like people are like, Oh, what do we need a bunch of Rose Hills out there? Like, well, that's what you're going to have to get is a bunch of Rose Hills. Cause that's all you're going to have left to pay, man. Like <laughs> we're not even the same stratosphere. This guy is a, an all-star super talent, wicked hockey player. Like that's not what we're talking about. I mean, all these guys are that we're talking about these 10 plus million dollar deals. I think I thought that goes without saying, but apparently me being critical of signing him means I think he's garbage. That's just not the case. I just look at the Leafs and what they have and what they've done with it and what they need to change in order to go where I think they need to have the roster looking like to win in the playoffs. And the only thing in my mind is if we use Marner and all the leverage that he comes with and and the asset that he is to see if we can get something for him, because we have a lot of Marners and I'm not a fan of Marner's, you know, physical style of play, which doesn't exist. Um, His compete level, which I mean, he's, he gets excited and things like that and does this after someone scores. Okay. But he's not willing to grind and bleed and go to war and put the team on his back. I've said that a million times and just the style of player he is. So with all that asset tied up in him and equity, you can move that for the things that we desperately need. I believe that's my opinion. And again, that's not to knock Marner down and say he's a terrible hockey player. We don't want him. We want him to walk away for nothing. No, but yeah. I just I look at, you know, giving him 13 some million dollars and what a situation like the rest of the conversation is going to be. Well, how the hell are we going to get anyone that's going to help these guys? Because it's kind of proven that four massive eggs in the basket isn't how hockey works. That's not how the playoffs works. That's not how teams win the Stanley Cup. You don't have four wicked players and go win the Stanley Cup. It's not basketball. So it's just it makes me worry that he wants the absolute world. And I just don't think that that it's good for the team. That's the biggest misconception, I think, with the fan base. People aren't pissed at Nylander and the money. They're they're more so pissed at the system and the structure and the fact that there, there's no pushback. Right. Um, I think it's more so about necessity and need. And I think you're so right where it's like we're not debating if Mitch Marner is a good player and is he worth 11 and a half? $13 million, whatever it may be. It's more so like how should they allocate their dollars, right? Like I think the big conversation in Leafs Nation today is like, would they have been better served to spend that $11.5 million on Nylander somewhere else? And I think you can make a serious case for both sides of the ledger. We're going to have the same conversation for Mitch Marner. And I think that's where it gets muddy. Um, 
I think it's so important to stress that it's not more so about the player. It's more so about the money, right? And, and, and what you can do with said money. Yeah, totally. There's, it's a cap world that you're living in. There's only so much money. I mean, if there was no cap, I would say, yes, lock up Marner. You know, he can get some big goals. And I think he's, you know, potentially, I mean, you, you'd only hope, right? You're not going to unload him. Yeah, pay him. And hopefully he comes through in the playoffs and, and gets you those series winning goals and, and is the, you know, the standout player in a game five and six and seven in, in a playoff series. And then go about your business trying to find a stud D-man elsewhere because money's not an issue and there's no cap. So I don't care what they play these pay these guys. It's not my money, but there's only a certain amount to go around. And when you look at the, the, the highest paid player on a team in the whole NHL, we've got the number one guy in Austin Matthews. The second highest guy on a team, we've got the number two player. The third highest t- paid player on a team, we've got the number third. The fourth highest player on a team in the NHL, we've got the, the top four. No one else is doing that. Then you go to number five. It happens to be Victor Hedman on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. But yeah. no one pays their one, two, three, four guys higher than the Maple Leafs do. And it's a cap world. And we are up against the cap all the time. And we consistently have seasons that don't go the way we want them to. And it's like, well, fuck, how can we get better players? How can we round off this roster better? How can we get yeah. better playoff performers? And it's like, well, you can't, man. Guys aren't just going to come and play, pay, play for nothing. The The premier players are going to go to other teams who can offer them more money because that's just how it works. So I get worried that we're going to get stuck and hamstrung to four players. And again, this isn't basketball. You have to have a more well-rounded team. And I wish one of the core four was like a stud all-star defenseman because, you know, Morgan Riley back there needs needs some help. It's so funny, like the era back like 15 years ago where it's like you paid players for winning now it's like the opposite where they get paid right away right and yeah i think that the important point you make there guys like hedman and mckinnon and branton and others those guys have won before and then they got paid right like i think it's just obviously a bit different uh respectively with edmonton clearly when you have mcdavid when you have dry settle here with the maple Leafs, but uh there, there obviously seems to be something off when all these guys are making this much money four of the top 10 players in the entire nhl there's 32 teams like it really shows you the embarrassment of riches in Toronto, but it also shows you like that the game of math and it ain't working. But having said that, I, I I totally comprehend the other side of the spectrum, the brain trust, you know, Shanahan, Tree Living, Kyle Dubas before. I understand why they would feel confident with these players, but I think you're so right. Do something in the Stanley Cup playoffs, win something in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and that narrative changes. Who's the player I always like to bring up on this podcast? Steven Stamkos, right? The focus shifted tenfold after the guy turned 30 or 29, won a bunch of cups, and now he's like uh, destined for the Hall of Fame and everything. The aura around the guys, like he's a winner, he's a winner. So it's still relatively early in the careers of these guys where they can change the focus to guys who just got heavily play- paid and uh, obviously were incredible players, but guys who were winners, right? So I think it's it's early, but it gets it gets late quickly too. Well, that's running it back then. I mean, I I get it. Like when you're in that locker room and you're Shanahan and you got these guys and you you see what they can do, you watch them in practice, you create this bond with them and and you have pride in them. They're like your guys, right? And they're the part of the team and part of that family that's in the locker room. So it's easy for us on Twitter to be like, get rid of Marner and do this. Like, like, yeah, easy. It's we're not living it. Right. So I understand why he's like, no, I believe in these guys. Uh, I know that, you know, we can they can develop and they can, like you say, Stamkos, like he didn't win for a while and, and McKinnon didn't win for a little while. And these guys took time. Ovechkin was always both. Now he's known as a winner. Like it doesn't, it, it, you don't get it until it happens, but I mean, this is the Maple Leafs. You're going to get dissected and you have a lot of people in their opinions, you know, going towards it. And after you watch one year, another year, the next year, them flounder in the playoffs and like, in a lot of ways aren't even close. And then it's like, no, let's just smash right up against the cap with these same guys. People are looking around going, what the hell, man? Like, didn't you just get the proof that you needed? So there's two schools of thought. I understand it's not easy. And this cap world we live in and no trade clauses and stuff, it just makes it very difficult. And uh, I don't know what the answer is, but I, I just, I feel like I know what the team needs as far as becoming more of a playoff bound team. When I look at the other teams that are successful in the playoffs, I'm like, 
we need a team that looks a little bit more like that. And we just simply don't for year after year. I don't care if they put up 115 points in the regular season. It's a different brand of hockey in November than it is in April and May. The key word is balance in what you're looking for. Uh, by the way, we have Emily Kaplan of ESPN coming up in about 15 minutes time. She's actually working the game on Thursday. Another return for John Tavares uh, to Long Island. So that should be a lot of fun. And we'll get her thoughts. It's always curious to get the, th- the thoughts like stateside. Like, obviously, we're in this bubble in Canada. You're out in Alberta. I'm here in Toronto. When you get the focus of the diehard hockey fan, I want to know how they feel like in the States when it comes to the other star players in the league, what they're getting paid that are not on Canadian teams and and the perception of Willie Nylander. So that's going to be an interesting conversation coming up here. Yeah, it will be the different markets, man. Everything, uh, it's different. The Americans have a different outlook on hockey than the Canadians do. And again, I mean, we do this show. There's just nothing like Toronto. There's just nothing like Toronto. And uh, I don't know if people down south quite grasp that if they're not here and they don't really understand the culture and the history and and the way that we operate in this country. And especially when it comes to hockey in Toronto, there's nothing quite like it. So it'll be be good to get Emily's uh, perspective and, and see what she has to say today. At the Leafs Nation 401, where you could subscribe here on YouTube, uh, do us a favor, hit that like button, uh, search Leafs Morning Take wherever you find your podcast. Again, leave us a review there. A five-star review would be fantastic. Really appreciated. At the Leafs Nation 401, once again, brought to you by DoorDash. It's time for the appetizer. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off, up to $10 in value, and zero delivery fees in their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app under code NATION25. That's code NATION25, uppercase, 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Offer valid in Canada. Subject to change. Terms apply. You think Willie Nylander watches this show, Rosie? No. <laughs> Did you hear the first thing this guy said? Obviously. Did you hear the first thing this guy said when, when he came out to meet the media after practice? What did he talk about? went in Lord Stanley, did he not? We heard a Stanley Cup. I couldn't believe it, dude. Like I saw, I didn't even watch it. I, I saw on Twitter. I'm like, this guy's talking about the cup. Like, it's like, wow, he, he, he listened to the podcast. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't seem like the type to get involved in media no. shows. I, uh, I seriously doubt that, but um, I'm not surprised, man. I mean, that that's the ultimate goal. And, you know, when you sign a big ticket like that and you know you're going to be here forever, I mean, it's hard as a hockey player. Like, he didn't know if he was going to sign there. He's, you know, he's a proud guy and he knows his worth and he wasn't willing to take a big haircut. And at that point in time, when you're doing negotiations, you don't know where you're going to be, right? So once he signs that thing, then all of a sudden he can step back and be like, all right, what is life like? Like, maybe you, you maybe I don't, if you got, you know, wife and family and maybe well now I'm gonna buy a place over here for my parents like because I know I'm going to be here for you know the better part of a decade and now where do we want to live and put our roots down like it's a serious lifestyle like I know where I'm going to be like this is home now and now I can focus on like what it would be like to win a Stanley Cup in Toronto and like that's what the ultimate goal is now that these contracts are done the money's all taken care of now I can focus on X and I understand it. And it's a, it's a big relief for him. And uh, I know a lot of weight off his shoulders and a lot of things that are on your mind every single day can now be cleared up for other things. So I I get that. I feel like he hit the gauntlet of cliches, but what else is the guy going to say? Like we always talk about talking to the media. I was, I was smirking. I was laughing when this guy talked about Toronto being home as he collected 92 million bucks. Like, give me a break, man. Like he just like, he had a checklist of everything he was going to say, like post, signing the contract and on it was like home is Toronto. That's what every player says when they sign an extension. Willie, if home is Toronto, why didn't you take 10 and a half million bucks per season? Why didn't you take 11? Why did you take 11 and a half and hit your absolute ceiling of a contract? I, I just laugh at that. I mean, this is not me going against Willie Nylander. He's an incredible player. Love the player. I'm happy he's uh, a leaf long term, but I, I, I couldn't help but chuckle at that Rosie. Yeah. I don't get why you sent me that. And I'm like, what's the, like after taking 92, Ninety-two million bucks. Home is Toronto, man. Nowhere I'd rather be, but ninety-two million bucks later, nowhere I'd rather. But what does that? What is the? What does the amount of money have to do with whether he thinks it's home or not? What if a guy that works for Apple is like, (laughs) you know, signs a huge extension or gets a massive, you know, signing bonus or whatever, and then he goes, you know, California, Silicon Valley is home. You know, I'm glad to be here, and I didn't have to go to it to IBM or something. It's like, Dude, well, yeah. That, what the hell? Columbus is the money would have been home for Nylander if they gave him ninety six million dollars and ninety two no, million dollars. 
He's been here a long time. He considers it home. He wanted to stay. Now that he's, like I said, he's going to be here for a decade. He's like, okay, now T.O. is home. I get it. I don't care if he got, I don't think the money has anything to do with that. He just knows. It wasn't a coincidence. He didn't have a haircut for his uh, presser yesterday because he doesn't take haircuts. (laughs) Nobody takes haircuts on this roster. You take haircuts in your job? Uh, I do. For a long period of time throughout my career, I have, trust me, but that's not the point. Uh, good question on your, your behalf, but I don't know. I just sort of laughed at that. I, I, it was great. They said some great things. I love the comments from true living. Um, obviously Sheldon Keefe's got the utmost belief in this player. Uh, he's earned it, man. We talked about this yesterday. You talk about players earning their contract. Nylander bet on himself, didn't sign the deal in the off season, comes back and earns himself an extra 10, 15 million bucks. So good on him. I just hope this continues because they paid him at his ceiling, Rosie. Like he has to yeah. contribute now like a 95 to 110 point player every season for the next nine years or eight and a half years, whatever it is, or else, I mean, there's going to be some conversations in this market. Well, yeah. I mean, now the thing is he's proven that when the pressure is on and he needs to do something, he can do it. That's speaking from needing a contract and then betting on himself. Now yeah. I want him to bet on himself and bet on the team and, and play that kind of hockey, that desperate, confident, lights out, fireworks hockey when it matters for the team now. And instead of doing it for himself, not that this season was all for himself, but but mm-hmm. he knew that, you know, if he didn't, if he had a stinker season, like, man, you can look back and say, I wish I would have, you know, signed in September. But he didn't. And he bet on himself and it paid off. So now I hope he bets on himself and and get into that ultimate goal that he claims, you know, is the Stanley cup. And I, I, I hope it pays off and it's uh, I don't know what these terms and everything. Everyone's like, like, I think you've said it too. Like finally an eight year term. Like I don't really understand the, the eight year to me is the player's benefit, not really the teams. Cause when you sign a massive ticket, you know, that on the eighth year, well, he's Rosie, not going to be what? Sorry to interrupt, but let me put it this way. If you sign Matthew Sune your contract before, that means you're getting crazy value right now. Nylander, Marner, and that that's what I'm getting yeah. at. It's like your hope is that they maintain the value. And I think earlier on, specifically in a player's career, the more you can get out of the contract, the better. Whereas, like, imagine the conversation we're having right now if Austin Matthews getting paid the same dollar amount as the previous contract. Ditto for Mitch Marner. Ditto for Nylander. So that's where I'm talking about like eight-year term would benefit the franchise, you know? Okay, but what about all the buyouts and what about all the eight-year deals where guys like, do you think William Nylander, I'm sorry, to tell, I'm sorry to tell you, but on the eighth yeah. year of his contract, he's not going to put up 115 points, I doubt. If he does, it would be yeah. incredible. But a lot of the times at the end of these contracts, it's like, well, this is what it took to sign him eight years ago. I know he's not worth that now and it's hurting the team because he's not worth 11.5, but that's what it took back in the day. Like, I think more often than that, it happens rather than, oh, thank goodness we locked him up eight years ago because he's such a great value now because the cap's gone mm-hmm. up. Bullshit. I think when you're in your 30s, man, like eight years down the road, it's very hard to live up to the, you know, the value that you were eight years ago when you're 28 years old. So yeah. I don't, I, the eight year to me is kind of like, well, hopefully that doesn't bite us in the ass too hard, but need it now to get it done. I guess the exception would be guys like Joe Pavelski. I mean, the the conversation you can have is John Tavares, by the way, who reiterated that he wants to stay in Toronto as well. I mean, I wouldn't expect anything else from the captain, and that conversation will be a very interesting one. And I I mean, I think from day one to now, John Tavares has lived up to his end of the bargain, right? A seven-year contract, he's in year six. And while he's never been known for his foot speed, he gets heat for that point per game player I mean he's produced and I think you can make the argument he was overpaid to begin with but it's not like the guy is a two million dollar player anymore at least in my opinion no he's not I just I I I love you know like you get to the other side of 30 you're like oh shit here we go but I think there are some select players where like you feel comfortable enough giving Willie Nylander eight-year deals you know and there are certain players that don't rely on their foot speed to to do the right things. And John Tavares is one of them. He gets to the right places. He finishes. He knows where to go. He just sees the game very well. So his foot speed doesn't really, yeah. um, you know, hinder him that much. I do look at John and I just 11 mil. Like if that was nine five, like how much nicer would that be? It's just not the world we live in. But I am curious to see if if uh, if him resigning, if he you know, if he wants the full bag or if he can see where we're at and say, man, you gave me the bag already. Not that he's mm-hmm. not worth it, but just what is his next AAV going to be on the next deal? I'm, I'm very interested to see because 
we, I just don't think it's sustainable. To, we're the only team out of 32 that mm-hmm. puts this much weight behind four single players. Yeah. Um, and so far it hasn't worked. It hasn't paid off. But like you said there, you know, it doesn't work until it does. So True. again, you, I'm, I'm pulling for him. Can't dispute that notion, that's for sure. Uh, shots on goal, GA and PPG can make or break your week, but don't overlook BPMM. Wendy's is bacon, portobello, mash- mushroom melt. Sure may not help you win weekly prizes with Wendy's and daily face-off fantasy, but unlike your prediction, it never disappoints. So try your luck, but don't push it because the bacon, portobello, mushroom melt is only back for a limited time, and if you miss it, you won't get a second chance. Sign up for daily face-off today. Sponsored by Wendy's and the Wendy's app as we get set. For the back end of the home and home between the Leafs and the San Jose Sharks, just take care of business. That's all I want to see, Rosie. Take care of business today. Yes, I think this is like a big, like a measuring stick kind of game. Like we say, like, okay, are you guys done with this BS? Mm-hmm. Can you do yeah. it twice in a row? Great game in in uh, in San Jose. I like the way they took care of business as they yeah. should. Um, you've lost more than enough games to uh, meet the quota for a good team against lower end teams. So enough is enough. Like learn from what did you do in San Jose? What did you do in Anaheim? You do that again. You have to, to me, it's all preparation. It's all focus. It's all mindset. When you're losing to those low level teams, it kind of almost feels like, Oh, thank goodness. We got the sharks today. And you know, Oh, I like my, my routine that I go through when we're playing Boston. And it's like, you know, everything matters. Any mistake will cost you. Got to be sharp. Got to be ready. Got to do all the right thing. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. That seems to not really be their MO when they play those lower level teams. It, it can't be because they come out and have these stinkers against teams where if you bring your best against them, you beat them every time and they just lose and lose and lose. And the biggest thing that pisses me off is they haven't learned their lesson up until that West Coast swing looked, looked very good. So again, I want to see that they have put that behind us. They've got a new leaf going and they understand how to prepare for these lower level teams. And I want to see the same effort here uh, against the Sharks. You said it perfectly yesterday where it's like we get more excited for wins against the inferior opponents than wins against <laughs> the LA Kings, but it's true because you just never know what's going to transpire. So I'm with you. Just take care of business, man. San Jose's dropped 11 straight hockey games. You can't be the oh. team that ends that if you're the Leafs. And on top of that, smash them. I, I said this on Friday's show. I know you weren't there. I want to see them take care of business. Smash them. They smashed them on Saturday. Do it again. You're back home. Yeah. Uh, Neyland has got the extension. Martin Jones is going to go. You're playing a wounded animal in the San Jose Sharks. It's not like they can make the excuse of, oh, we came back home out west because the Sharks are doing the exact same thing, right? So it's it's right there for them. I, I just, I would love them to view it as, you know, a cautious optimism and positivity. It could be points night. We can rack up the score. We can pick up our points. If you're Mitch Marder, you can get close to 100 points. I know it's a tough way to look at it, but there's a way you can Terrible. go about it with positivity and optimism and confidence and there's also a way you can play like the Leafs and not show up and lollygag for the first five, six minutes of the game and then realize, oh, this is an NHL hockey game. Yeah, and I mean, you got to decide why or were they losing those those games earlier yeah. on to those low-level teams because one one side of it, like you say, they're lollygagging and they're not really showing up, but the other side is like, do you think it's points night? Do you not? Because I remember playing games and, and you're losing against teams you should beat coach comes in losing it going you guys all think you're just going to get your cookies y'all thinking you're just going to play street hockey out there everyone's going to have fucking two and one losing their minds and everyone's like well kind of i mean we were playing the sharks i thought i was gonna you know maybe try to have like a three four point night and it doesn't work that way because then you you leave the system you abandon the team you know philosophy everyone's out there as individuals and you got a team out there who is desperate to break this skid they're on who want nothing more than to beat them they've beat them before and if they come out and put together a, a good game and they're all out there thinking it's point night you're gonna yeah. get pp whacked like they have a million times but i understand what you're saying be the dominant team don't let off the gas smother mm-hmm. them and just rack up 
the way you can play and just put it on the scoreboard over and over and do not let up. I, I absolutely yeah. agree with that. I just yeah. wonder if that's kind of been their Achilles heel thinking it's point night against all these teams. Yeah, to your point, I, I just bury them. I, I thought the Leafs started off strong on Saturday. First couple of shifts, and once again, it was the Matthews line with Nyes, Matthews, and Marner. Man, they're humming, they're buzzing, they're playing really, really well, playing with pace, intensity. Marner's uh, all over things. Um, specifically, Matthews has had some incredible starts with Matthew Nyes in the mix, too. Uh, Nick Robertson's going to be scratched for a third straight game. Uh, any shock there? You don't want to mess with the winning lineup, right? No, not at all. It's uh, there. He's had lots of chances to do his thing, and he'll probably get some more. But I mean, they're not desperately going to blow up a, a winning, you know, chemistry laden lineup to get Nick Robertson, and uh, he'll be scratched again. Yeah, people are trying to make a conversation of that. I don't think it's there. And uh, Martin Jones is going to start. I guess we're never going to see Dennis Hill to be a. Eh? Seriously, like I really, he's just literally there to be the backup. I don't know. Dude, I, thought- I, I just have a sneaky suspicion that Ilya Samsonov showing up over the weekend and he's playing Detroit. That That's the only logical conclusion I have is that they don't want to play Hill to be. They obviously Imagine- don't. It's, I mean, when you think about how, how scary it would be if, if Jones went down and uh, I, I like it. Cause I'm, if you remember, I'm of the school of why can't these goalies play more? Like they used to play friggin' You know, look at what Martin Brodeur used to play. Like he was the goalie unless he couldn't play or, you know, had something tweaked and has to put in the backup. But there was the goalie and then there was your backup and he just has to back up if if you can't play. And nowadays it's like, oh, my God, we could never play back to back games. Oh, the the stress on this athlete. (laughs) I will roll my eyes. So obviously that wasn't their school of thought. But usually it's when, you know, you have a, a legit backup to to help you out and i mean if you overrun jonesy and lose him now my god are they going to be in one so it would be nice to give this hill to be you know at least a look against the sharks or something but i guess that's uh that's just against their mo they're just going to ride this pony it just scares me goalies with nicknames they had the beast they had the you know the monster the, the bus you uh, see renus back in the day or whatever his name like they got so many nicknames with these guys and they can't stop the puck unfortunately hopefully the hill the beast can stop a puck that's my concern <laughs> Hilda Beast, that's a cool nickname. I mean, it's so obvious with his last He's name. So, yeah, I, I do. I mean, you got to play him at some point. I do not think, like, yeah. are you going to bring Sammy back? Jesus, I don't know, man. Yeah. Stranger things have happened, and I've kind of been wrong on the goalies a little bit here, but why wouldn't you throw the kid a game and just get, get him that experience? I mean, the points like against San Jose. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of shocked. So it will be interesting this weekend to see what happens, who's playing. That's kind of my most interesting thing uh, going into it is what are they doing with these goalies? But uh, if they bring up Sammy, I'll be, I won't be shocked. I'll be excited for him and I'll be pulling for him. I hope that he could get a win, but I don't think that's happening, man. I do not think he's ready. Probably not. Wishful thinking on my my part. Uh, Meantime, the following interview is brought to you by our friends over at Battlegrounds Axe Throwing. To find a location and book an outing today, go to battlegrounds.com. That's B-A-T-L, grounds.com, battlegrounds.com. As we welcome in today's guest from ESPN, it's the one and only Emily Kaplan. Uh, Emily, thank you so much for doing this. How are you today? I'm good. It's a snowy day in Chicago, so no better place to be than inside talking to you guys. Well, I can tell you, too, we got the All-Star game coming up in a couple weeks. It's starting to get cold here, so I'm not feeling that great about it. Are you pumped for All-Star weekend? Oh, I'm super pumped. And I'm not just saying that because I'm contractually obligated to at ESPN. It's one of our <laughs> events. Uh, but I think there's some new energy, some new juice in the event this year. You know, talking to guys, they're really curious about how the skills competition is going to go. One million dollars, winner take all, only 12 guys participating. So no longer are we like, you know, begging guys, please do fastest skater, making these side deals behind the stage like this actually matters. And I think it'll be fun. Looking forward to the draft as well. Uh, thank you so much for taking some time today. So obviously some big news over the last 24 hours, Emily, here in Toronto. Willie Nylander, brand new extension. Just curious to see the perception, the ideology, the thought stateside when it comes to the Nylander extension. What are, what are people saying about it? Um, that it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, obviously it's a lot of money, but this is a player that's commanded that amount of money. Um, I do think that we all recognize, and I think you guys are probably going to laugh when I say this, but 
Toronto is a unique market. And even when you're not in the Toronto market, we understand that there's certain um, taxes that you have to play to under, uh, go with that huge media scrutiny, all of the pressure, um, obviously the expectations of finally winning a Stanley Cup after this long drought. And the truth is, Willie Nylander is a player that doesn't shy away from that. It's been proven in the playoffs. He's been their star player that has consistently showed up. And when you have that, when he's in his prime, when he's looking as good as he does this year, and he's already adding more responsibilities, right? You now see him on the penalty kill. He's improved his defense. It is a no-brainer, especially with the cap going up slightly next year. Um, I think it's a great fit for Bill Suds. For sure. Emily, when, uh, like you say, when you're down in the States and, and Toronto comes to town, what's the perception of their team overall? I mean, a team that has, you know, a lot of, fans behind them, a lot of weight behind them and has always, you know, struggled traditionally when they come to town, are they, are they feared? Obviously they're kind of peaking as a team or are they known as being inconsistent? What's the, what's the mindset behind basing the Maple Leafs when they come down South? I think no doubt other players in the league, and I do believe fans and, and you know, the general population as well views them as one of the best teams in the league. I think they're offensive dynamite. They have so many skilled star players that you have to worry about. It's not just one line producing. They're starting to get some more depth um, below those star tiers. Um, but I think it's kind of the rolling of the eyes where it's the same old Leafs, where it's the same issues that have plagued them for the last several years. They can't find consistent goaltending. There always seems to be a leaky defense. They're always seemingly on the market for a new defensemen and so it's a team that should be feared but it's a team that you feel like you can unravel um, if you hit some of their weaknesses and certainly I think you look at this roster Emily I mean there's some bona fide stud talent we just talked about Nylander Austin Matthews I mean uh, I'm sure you've been peeking in on what's transpiring there you're doing the game on Thursday on Long Island this guy is in one this year and he has to be on the short list for the Hart Trophy again no yeah, he does. There's so many great candidates this year. I mean, what mm. Nathan McKinnon's doing is absolutely insane. I just had a Penguins game, and I think it's insane to say, but Sidney Crosby's just not getting enough credit for what he's doing in his age yeah. 36 season. Um, they're not in the position they're in right now, even breathing in the playoff space. If he isn't, you know, just being super consistent, super dominant, doing all the little details every night. That said, uh, what Austin Matthews is doing needs to get its flowers. Um, scoring goals is what this league is all about, and he does it so consistently. Other aspects of his game just truly dive the offense. Um, here in America, obviously, we're big fans of him. He's our golden boy, right? He represents um, yeah. new hockey. He grew up in one of the states where we're trying to grow the game. Um, he plays with a certain swag. He goes up and plays in Canada and represents us all well. In fact, he's kind of become a little too Canadian, um, even in the way that he speaks i feel like we want to see a little bit more personality out of him mm -hmm. um but on the ice he is just a dominant force and absolutely when we talk about mvp he's going to be in that conversation i just feel like there's so many guys deserving this year it's going to be a really interesting race down the stretch for sure emily going back to the Nylander contract uh you know he has a full eight-year no trade clause that kicked in the second he signed it for even the existing one is what's your thought on that as far as you know really locking those players in obviously good for the player but does it give them too much power and does it kind of handcuff the organizations from making any necessary moves of course it does but i think in this day and age it's a necessity this feels like something that's baked into so many of these long-term contracts when you're talking about a star player they want those assurances that yeah. said how many times have we seen in the last several years, it comes to the trade deadline, general manager is asking, hey, look, you signed this deal five, six years ago. Our team's in a different position right now. You might want to go chase a cup. Can you please waive it? And it's like, whoa, why do we sign a contract if we're going to amend the terms of the contract? So we'll see where this goes with Willie. Like, you know, ideally the Leafs are competitive during that entire time and he's still playing at a high level at the end of it. They're still contending for cups, but dynamics change. Who knows if Brad Tree Living's still running the team? Who knows who's coaching the team? Like we know how quickly this league churns. Um, but if they want to get him signed, I think that was probably a non-starter for Willie Nylander and his camp. So um, good for him. I'm always for more player agency. Obviously we're talking about a lot today with the cutter Gautier situation. And if this is just uh -huh. one small assurance that a player can get, uh, I'm in favor of them getting it. Emily, what you think is going on with that, the cutter coach <laughs> thing? Like, what is happening there? Yeah, you know, talking to people around the league today, it's not the first time this has happened, right? Like, you see guys get drafted. They don't really want to sign with that team. I just did a feature with Adam Fox. Great example, right? He gets drafted by the Flames. 
never tells the Flames he's going to sign, kind of quietly says they need more time in Harvard, need more time in Harvard. They get the idea that he doesn't want to sign there. They train him to Carolina. I think Carolina felt a little bamboozled, like they didn't quite know what Adam Fox was getting in the air yet, but you have one time to live your life. That's, that's what Adam told me. You have one opportunity. You got to do it. And so Adam basically willed his way to his childhood favorite team, the New York Rangers, where he's now their star defenseman. Now, there's a difference between why Adam Fox is viewed the way he is and why Cutter Gauthier is getting absolutely dragged today. And I think that's because of transparency. And again, we've seen this time and time again, but we've never really seen players ghost the general managers and player personnel people that have drafted them. Them coming across the world to events and saying, like, no, I'm not going to meet with you and I'm not going to explain why and I'm not going to tell you why I'm not coming to development (laughs) camp. That rubs people the wrong way, especially as a strong will to a front office as Philadelphia, um, especially with the city and the attitude of Philadelphia. So that's why you're seeing him being completely villainized. But I don't think this is the first time it's happened in the league. And I think if I start to understand Generation Z and the agency that they want to wield, it's definitely not going to be the last. I would just hope that other players learn the lessons of Cutter Gauthier, where transparency, just talk it out. Like these things can get fixed. That's true. And and the irony, again, of way back when with Eric Lindros, and that's how he ends up a member of the Philadelphia Flyers. And, and Rosie, I'd love for you to chime in. You played for the Flyers. How are they going to handle this kid after you request a trade? Hasn't even played a game in the show yet. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a more old school team than the Philadelphia Flyers. And I mean, when you go upstairs in their barn, it is it is the old, you know, the old guard. All those boys are still kicking around and and running things. So they're very tight knit. They're very proud. And, and like Emily said, their, their fan base is, is very brash. So to, to do something like that is, it is one thing, but yeah, to do it in the fashion that he did. And I mean, if you're a, if you're a future hall of famer and you're pulling this stunt, everyone's like, Oh, that's kind of rude, but you're a 19 year old kid who, yes, you got, but sky's the limit. You're a, you know, a fifth overall pick, um, solid player, but let's be honest, you haven't done anything in, in, the league yet and before you even step foot in the door you're calling this out and calling your shot and stuff it's a very good way to rub people the wrong way especially the philadelphia flyers organization i love a story like that right emily i love a story like that that's the thing like i feel like all we say in hockey is it's so boring everyone conforms players don't even use the pronoun i they say we or you it's always team first (laughs) this year has brought us the juice like we have so much drama in the league this year Getting like shades of NBA uh, pettiness. So I like it. Yeah, that was, that's been my dream. Like I watch the NBA closely, like on a daily basis, a guy goes on a podcast. He's like, I hate it here. Get me out. Like, I, I think the NHL would be just such, such a different world if guys actually spoke how they felt. And I just love the fact that the Flyers draft this guy and he's like, yeah, I love Sidney Crosby growing up. It just was a cherry on top. And I think it's a perfect tie into the last question. You're doing the game on Thursday for ESPN. Another return for John Tavares. It's going to be a hostile barn. Uh, they love him there, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll be between the benches. I am so curious to see uh, what the crowd reception is. UBS Arena, if you haven't been, um, it's not the Nassau Coliseum. Like, you know this, Aaron. Like, the Collie was legit. It was gritty. It was everything that Long Island represents. This barn looks like Roger's Place in Edmonton. It's brand new. It's spacious. Uh, but the fans are going to show up for this one. Um, I feel for John, I actually feel for the Islanders organization because what I understand behind the scenes, like there was a lot of debate of how should we appropriately handle John Tavares coming back and hitting such a major milestone of a thousand. Um, And they decided to do a tribute, which I think was the right classy move. And if you know anything about Lou Lamarillo, which obviously you guys do in Toronto, um, he's all about class and and he definitely thought it through. Um, Of course, you just can't control your fans, especially if they've got one, two, three, 17 beers in them. So um, (laughs) I'd like to think uh, this time around, maybe there'll be just like a little more grace, a little more empathy. But again, like these are the storylines that make the, the league run. That's it gives us something to talk about the next day. So a little bit of drama, maybe a little bit of revenge. Uh, If this amps him up, if this amps the team up, I think it should be a good game. Very well said and uh, looking forward to it. Emily, have a great broadcast on Thursday and uh, thank you so much for taking some time today. My pleasure. Thanks for chatting. Thanks, Emily. That's uh, Emily Kaplan from ESPN. And yeah, that game's coming up on Thursday as well. John Tavares, another visit, Long Island. And uh, of course, Emily referencing that game, I guess like a month ago where JT gets 0.1,000 and they just didn't know how to react, man. There's like Twitter wars with Biz Nasty and Butch Goring now. Like, I I think it's great for the game. I couldn't agree more. Like, yeah, Cutter Goche looks like an asshole today, but fuck it. Like, if you watch the NBA, dude, 
And I, I know you keep a bit, a bit of tabs on that. The NFL, like every day these guys come out and they say something so ridiculous in the soap <laughs> opera. Like the Draymond Green thing is ridiculous to me, dude. They activated this guy after a 12-game suspension. He comes back. I'm a change guy. Yeah, he's changed in a month. He's going to kick somebody in the junk. He's going to do the exact same thing again. But I, I just think it adds some spice to the league. And we're dialing missing that in the NHL world. Yeah, it is. And I mean, when we're in the media and we're looking for storylines, I mean, you love it and you sink your teeth into it. And there's other, you know, old school guys that like to sit and watch the game and they love how classy the players are and how they're always self-deprecating. And I want my son to be like that. They don't want him to be like Draymond Green, some wild card maniac who you don't know what the hell he's going to do and clearly only plays for himself. So I understand both sides of it, but yeah, it makes it more, uh, more interesting and more fiery when guys are, are going off the, uh, the beaten path and going off script a little bit. So it's funner to watch, but without a doubt there, you're going to have, you know, the reason there's storylines is because people have such strong opinions about them and what should have happened and what he should have done and shouldn't have done. And you look to the NBA, I don't want it to go to that level. I mean, yeah. It's a different game where that's more individual. Um, you know, one single player is is certainly more important than one single player in hockey. And and those guys kind of speak that a little bit more. And it sure makes for interesting content. But I don't want our league to go to that place. But I agree with Emily where, you know, saying what you really think and being having a little bit more personality is uh, is just fine with me. And these younger kids are not scared to do it. I, I still have my old school thing to it we're like what is this idiot doing and who does he think he is but uh a nice little mix of both is just fine i think the league's uh heading in the right direction the guy's got balls man and, and i tell you obviously i know a couple people over in the anaheim's anaheim ducks room and i i mean just humanized situation i could tell you like a guy like drysdale was love there man and i i think it just humanized it that it's a league it's a business and shit can happen and who would have uh, suspected this early on in the career of drysdale he'd be dealt but I think all in all, Philadelphia did a good job knowing this guy didn't want to sign there. And and I, I think they thanked the other GMs in the league for not putting this out publicly and just making a trade in good faith with Anaheim here that nobody was going to find out about this. But it's absolutely wild that the Flyers take a guy and he goes on the record right away and says, Sidney Crosby was my best, my favorite player growing up. You just knew you were in for one. So I think all in all, all things considered, the Flyers actually did pretty well in that circumstance. But, yeah, Rosie, some news and notes here from the morning skate. Looks like the flu bug is a thing again. So, Nick Robertson, we had that conversation earlier on. He could, in. in fact, get in. Pardon me? He's in. That's the conversation. Um, we'll find out closer to puck job. Obviously, you know what the flu bug in this league. Guys want to see how the day goes. Uh, also, Keith on Joseph Wall. He's still a ways away. Uh, so, we expected that conversation. but. It's going to be Martin Jones's crease for the foreseeable future. And then uh, just seeing as well a tweet from David Alter. Sheldon Keefe says Ilya Samsonov is practicing with the Marlies for the first time. Says it'll be up to Brad Tree Living to make the call if Samsonov gets into a game with the Marlies. Man, I'm telling you, this guy's coming up, dude. <laughs> oh, that's weird, man. Like, what's he been doing? Just sitting with the sports psychologist for weeks or what? <laughs> Dude, I would love, you know, the like they love having cameras in the league. We just talked about the NBA. Just a camera on Samsonov after the, the motion, look what went down. Did he go to Trinity Bellwoods Park and hang out? And just, I don't know. It's just like so much happened behind the scenes there and we're never going to find out. But I think it's such a curious situation. Like what happens next? You see that quote, you see that tweet. It's like, oh, maybe they have no intention whatsoever of Dennis Hill to be playing a game for this team. It doesn't seem like they have a very strong one. Um, they just needed a guy to sit on the bench and be able to play goalie mm -hmm. if something terrible happened. It seems like I thought they'd want to, you know, I, I know they're not thinking, oh, this guy's going to get us, you know, anywhere in the in the near future. We need to rely on him or anything like that. But I thought they'd give Martin Jones, especially on that back to back, you know, a little break and uh, and and try this kid out against a team on a on a road trip where it's not like you're playing in Madison square garden. It's, you know, a little bit chill or I thought they would, but they're not. So yeah, I guess they they have no plans of, of putting him in the crease. Again, I know we all want to see Hilda be, but this just tells me they're not ready to put this guy out there. And if they don't think and deem he is ready, and I'm sure they've had conversations with the goalie coach, uh, Hanu Toivonen with the Marlies, Curtis Sant, like they're just not, they don't feel comfortable enough putting him out there. And I mean, you, how many times have teams, including the Leafs, rush prospect net miners out there? So the fact that they're taking the high road on this, I mean, is a, is a decent 
thing. I mean, you even look what the correlation with Brad Tree Living and and Wolf uh, out in Calgary, right? I mean, they they've waited and waited and waited and maybe waited too long to put this guy in the NHL, but there's no such thing. So I know they're in dire need, but Martin Jones has been tending that net really, really well. So I think that's a positive note from this team. And if they're not ready to put Hill to be out there, then so be it. Uh, the Botano wrap-up is presented by Botano.ca. The game starts now 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Uh, the numbers are juiced. I mean, anytime they play an inferior opponent, they are. I saw like even uh, the Leafs at minus two and a half is like a minus money. Like it's ridiculous. I think the one play I would do tonight, Austin Matthews, he didn't score over the weekend, but he was all over it. I thought he was excellent. Uh, hit a, a bunch of posts. He dominates the San Jose Sharks. The numbers speak for themselves. I think he's averaging around a goal per game against them. Mind you, he's doing that against every team, but I like an Austin Matthews anytime goal tonight. How about you? Yeah, that's nice. <clears throat> I got burnt last weekend on uh, this game, play picking the uh, the over on the first period, yeah, you know, total, and they just weren't scoring, and they kind of took off in the third period. But uh, I might I might try to go back to that well and see if it hits this time. I feel like uh, some goals could be scored, mm-hmm. um, you know, particularly by the Toronto Maple Leafs. But uh, I don't mind that Austin either. He's trending like he's uh, he's ready to snap one in there too, as he was uh, getting lots of chances last time against these guys. Punish them. That's all I can say. And lucky for you, if the Leafs lose, you're not going to be here tomorrow anyway. So you won't have to have that conversation with me where it's like, how do you lose to a team that's dropped 11 in a row? Dude, I don't even want to have that. I don't even want to think about that conversation. You lose to the San Jose Shark. 11 straight. This is their second uh, losing streak of more than 10 games this season, man. Just think about that. That's fucking bad. It's not it's good. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah. I don't yeah. foresee having that conversation. I hopefully. hope, and like I said, yeah. these guys uh, hopefully have learned their lesson and learned how to prepare, and they're ready to rock and roll for tonight. Yeah, I was going to mention off air. We got a reunion coming up on Friday. Your old teammate John Michael Lyles has agreed to stop by this show. So a bit of a reunion with Lyles coming up on uh, on Friday, and uh, of course Colorado's in the town on Saturday. I can't wait for those games every year. They play just twice. So uh, John Michael Lyles is going to drop by. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, that'll be good, man. He was a good guy. Always had a big smile on his face, good personality and uh, a good defenseman as well. So it'll be nice to to pick his brain a little bit and see how much he follows the Maple Leafs. Yeah, going to drop by and obviously a four game week here for the Maple Leafs. So get started on Tuesday night with the San Jose Sharks. Thanks for this, Rosie. We'll talk on Thursday. Anthony Stewart's in the mix tomorrow. Right on. Enjoy that, boys. Hopefully you got big smiles on your face after a blowout, but I will wait and see. I hope, dude. I just don't. I don't want to have that conversation, specifically against a team like San Jose, who has just mailed it in. They're like, you know what? We will take the first overall, the second overall pick. Uh, thank you to everybody in the chat. You guys are fantastic. At the Leafs Nation four hundred one, search Leafs Morning Take wherever you find your podcast as well, and we'll pop up. Uh, hit us with some likes, reviews, anything you'd like to give us to boost this podcast. We'd thoroughly appreciate that. Thank you to uh, producer Aaron, producer Vic, for Jay Rosehill. I'm Nick Alberga, and we'll talk on Wednesday. Take care. Thank you for watching Leafs Morning Take. Hit that subscribe button and never miss a show. And for more, visit theleafsnation.com. T-H-E-L-E-A-F-S-N-A-T-I-O-N.com. <laughs> if you don't know how to spell the Leafs Nation, you know what I mean? Um, but hey, sometimes you never know.